Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, we want to connect with you. You can best do that by filling out a connection card at cfmemory.org slash connect. This help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now Pastor Rick will begin a new series called A World Without God. Let's listen in. Revelation chapter 6 verse 1 reads, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, one more passage from the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 2 verse 1 says this, why do the heathen rage and the people, what's that next word? Imagine a vain thing. Everybody say imagine. Yeah, everybody say imagine. All right, well, you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. And I want to set things up today by sharing this with you. Being a child of the 1960s, I was born and lived during the birth of rock and roll music, specifically during a time, during an era known as the British Invasion. How many of you recall that? Yeah, it was so deemed because there were so many British rock and roll bands who seemed to be invading the rock and roll world. And I'm talking about bands like the Rolling Stones, the Dave Clark Five, Gary Puckett, and the Union Gap, and dozens and dozens of other bands, British bands, that just seem to be invading the rock and roll world. But listen, listen. No rock band ever rocked the world like a rock and roll band from Britain called the... Yeah. John, Paul, George, and Ringo rocked the world and transformed rock and roll music with a sound that was catchy, that was simple, and that was kind of fun to sing along with. And so the world fell in love with John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. But check this out. Because as time went along, the Beatles began to shift their music from music that was simple and fun to music that was more complex and more serious and that had social overtones to it. They began to produce music that was anti-war, anti-establishment, and it sometimes that felt like anti-government. But listen, listen, for a lot of people, that music expressed exactly what they were feeling. Now, I want you to stay with me, because at the end of the 1960s, John Lennon, one of the Beatles, wrote, produced, and sang a song that captured the imagination of a lot of those people. In fact, the song was called, yeah, Imagine. And in this song, John Lennon imagines a world that in his mind would be a better world. And so he sings about a world without countries, 
a world without borders, a world without possessions, a world without heaven, and, and a world without God above us. Take a look. Catchy tune, right? I saw some of you kind of want to sing along with it. But what was the message? The message was this. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, not God. Only what? Only sky. Everybody lean in. Because with those lyrics, John Lennon expressed what a lot of people imagine to be true. And that is this world would be better off if God were not above us. We would better off, be better off if there were only sky above us. And if we could just get rid of this God stuff, of this these God thing, if we just get rid of God, this world would be a better place. <laughs> That's what a lot of people imagine to be true. Now, with that in mind, I want you to listen to a biblical prophecy written 3,000 years ago. Because in this prophecy... It's almost as if God was foretelling us about this song called Imagine. Listen to Psalm 2. God says, why do the heathen rage and the people, what's that next word? Yeah, imagine a vain thing. And what is the vain thing that they're imagining? The same thing that was in Lennon's song. Listen to what they say. Verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves against who? Against who? The Lord. The Hebrew there is Yahweh. Not just against any God, against him. And against who else? His what? Come on, lean in. What is it? His what? Yeah, his anointed. The Hebrew there is Mashiach. It's where we get Messiah from. It's the word we get Christ from. They're setting themselves against Yahweh and against Christ. And watch what they want to do, verse 3. Here's what they say. Saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Translation, God is a ball and chain to this world. And we need to break loose from him. This world would be better off without him, and it would be better off without his son, Jesus Christ. That's what people were imagining all the way back then. Now, folks, let me turn a corner and bring that over to our study of the book of Revelation today, because what an image of what people still believe to this day. In fact, here's my proposition as we kick off this series today. This is what I want us to go out the door with, and that is this. More and more, we are living in a world that wants to get rid of God. They want to get God out of the schools. They want to get God out of the government. They want to get God out of our minds. And inexorably, they want to get God off the planet, out of this world. But that raises a question, doesn't it? And that question is this. What would a world without God be like? What would a world without God, what would such a world look like? Well, folks, we're going to find out 
as we go back to Revelation chapter 6. Because in the future, the world is going to get what they wish. Only it's not going to be what they imagine it would be like without God. And here's why. Write this down as big number one. If you're taking notes, how many of you, by the way, all across all of our campuses, how many of you have your listening guides? Wave those in the air. Yeah, if you're a guest with us, we like to take notes. I want to give you two reasons today, two big reasons why it's not going to be what they imagine. So write this down as number one. A world without God will be an unimaginable disaster. Let me say that again. A world without God, and it's coming, is going to be an unimaginable disaster, catastrophe. You say, why? Here's why. Write this down as A. It's because the living creatures will allow disaster to come. The living creatures will allow disaster to come. Anybody be saying, Rick, what do you mean by living creatures allowing disaster to come? Well, look at verse 1. You'll get the idea. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four, what's the next phrase? Yeah, living creatures say with a voice like thunder, stop! Is that what he says? No, what does he say? He says, come. And folks, with that command, these four living creatures invite global disaster. These four living creatures invite global catastrophe. Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on. Because God has always stopped humankind from human annihilation and from global annihilation. In other words, God has allowed human beings to control this planet. In fact, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the Bible says God gave mankind dominion over the planet. He gave us dominion over this earth to rule the earth and to to control the destiny of our, our earth, our world. But at the same time, God has always stopped sort of behind the scenes at, a, at an unperceived dimension that we can see, God has always stopped human beings from self-destruction and from global destruction. You say, how has he done that? It's simple. God has tasked these four living creatures that we're reading about. He has tasked them to stop us from destroying our own planet. Because folks, listen, listen, we are prone to do Just that. By the way, these four living creatures we found out a few weeks ago, they're actually what? They're angels. But these are the four most powerful, not just angels, but creatures in the universe. They are unrivaled in power, and if you were to see one of these creatures, it would freak you out because it would be a trip into the supernatural world. These angels are are literally scary, powerful. But they have been tasked by God to stop anyone or anything from destroying this planet. And folks, they have done that work for millennial after millennial after millennial behind the scenes. 
Because angels exist in a dimension that we cannot perceive. But they've been doing that work. They hold back global political destruction. They hold back global nuclear destruction. They hold back global economic destruction. And they hold back natural disasters from destroying this planet. They've been doing that for thousands and thousands of years. In fact, you get the idea from 2 Thessalonians. Listen to what the Bible says. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. In other words, it's lawlessness that can destroy this planet, that can destroy us. And God says it's already with us. But watch this. But the one who now does what? Say it with me, folks. Does what? Holds it back will continue to do so. Let's stop there again. Because God tells us that that there is this one being who is holding back this earth from ever experiencing a global disaster, global destruction. And who is that one? Well, it's simple. It's one of those four living creatures. His name is Michael. Michael, L in the, that suffix L in the Hebrew is Elohim. He is God's archangel. He is the most powerful being in the universe. And he has been tasked by God to hold back this world from natural disaster that would destroy us or man-made disaster. More on Mike L in the coming weeks. But for now, just look at the balance of the verse. Watch this. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one, namely Michael, who now holds it back will continue to do so, watch this, until, until what happens? He is taken out of the way. You say, meaning what? Meaning for now, Michael stands between this world and global disaster, holding it back. But make no mistake about it. There is coming a future seven-year period of time on this planet that Jesus referred to as the Great Tribulation. That period of time begins in Revelation chapter 6. And it starts with God telling Michael to stop holding back the destruction. And, And God literally takes Michael out of the way. God tells Michael to stand down. In other words, folks, it's almost as if God is saying, okay, you want a world without God? Okay, I'll give it to you. I'll take my archangel out of the way. And listen, when God does that, write this down as B, four global disasters are going to follow. Listen to verse 1. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures, that's Michael, say with a loud voice like thunder, Stop! Now what he says, what does he say? Come. Come. And with that, what is it that comes to the earth? Four disasters. Come. As God's angels stand down. Write them down as one, two, three, and four. I'm going to give them to you quickly today. Number one. There will come a global political disaster. 
That begins in chapter 6, verse 2. We're going to look at that a little bit today. Number two, there will come a global nuclear disaster. That happens in chapter 6, verse 4. We're going to unpack that next time. Number three, there will come a global economic disaster. That comes to pass in chapter 6, verse 6. And then there will come a global natural disaster. And that happens in chapter 6, verse 12. So folks, as, as, as God steps back and as Michael stands down, this world begins to spiral into four global disasters and they are unpacked in Revelation chapter 6. But here's what I want you to get. This is all going to be a good thing. I can see some of you looking like, man, I didn't come to church for this. Four global disasters. You remember what we said? This is the path that God is going to take to take back control of the earth and to kill a cancer. Remember that from a few weeks ago? This is the chemotherapy, if you will, that will kill a cancer called death and sorrow and pain and disease and sin and Satan. So as bad as this seems, you're going to see this is really going to be a good thing. So bear with me. For now, I want you to write this down as big number two. Here's what you need to know. The world without God will begin with global peace. Now, that's a newsflash for a lot of people because we think, oh, the Great Tribulation chapter is going to get with war. All out. Nope. It's going to begin with global peace. Let me show you what I mean. Listen to verse 1. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, Come! I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now stop right there. Because there's the, the, the man that we hear so much about. I mean, even if you're, you know, you're not a churchgoer, you're not a Bible reader, at some point you've heard about this guy, he's called the Antichrist. But here's the point. As, as God steps back from the earth and there is, there is then this void on the planet, Satan is going to fill that void. The Antichrist will step in when God steps back, creates a void. Satan, I mean, the Antichrist will fill that void. By the way, that is always, always, always Satan's method of operation. Anytime God is pushed out of the world... Satan will always fill the void. Whether, whether, whether God is pushed out of this world or whether you push God out of your world, Satan will always fill that void. And it's never with anything good. But that's his method of operation. And so as soon as God draws back, the Antichrist comes in, he will be Satan's man. And he will arrive on the world scene as a political leader, the likes of which the world has never seen. And he will shepherd this world towards a global political disaster. But here's what we need to know about him. Write this down as A and B. The Antichrist comes as the prince of war. Is that what I have written down? 
He comes as a prince of what? A prince of peace. Listen to verse 2. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a what? A bow. Now stop there. Because the text says he has a bow. But you'll notice he has no arrows. You say meaning what? Meaning his conquest of the world will not be militarily. It will be it will be through, the, through diplomacy. He will, not, he will not control the wor- world through war. He will control the world through peace. In other words, he is coming not as the prince of war. He is coming as the prince of peace. And he's going to say to the world, I can bring, I can deliver peace to the world. Now, don't get me wrong. He will not be the true prince of peace. The true Prince of Peace is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, you can give it up for the true Prince of Peace. This guy will be a fake Prince of Peace. And he will bring a fake peace to this world. And here's what you need to know about him. The Antichrist will oppose Jesus Christ by pretending to be Christ. Let me say that again. The Antichrist will oppose Jesus Christ by pretending to be Christ. He will not only be the Antichrist, he will be a fake Christ. And he'll bring a fake peace to the world. But, but, that being said, the world is going to love this guy. They're going to love him. And even Israel, the nation of Israel is going to love this guy. In fact, the nation of Israel is going to be duped into believing that this guy's the real Messiah. For the most part, Israel today does not believe Jesus is the Messiah. So when this guy shows up, they're going to be duped into believing this is the real one. We finally found the true Messiah, and he's going to tell them, I am your savior. I am your protector of Israel. But folks, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's what I want you to get. The tribulation will not begin with war. It will begin with global peace because this fake Christ will come as the prince of peace. And he will say to the world, I can bring peace on a global scale to this war-weary world I can deliver peace. And folks, that is, that is going to be so attractional. And here's why. Write this down as B. It's because the world more and more longs for global peace. The world longs for global peace. And here's why. I want you to put your thinking caps on. There, there are global concerns that are pulling the world together, not apart. And by that, I mean global concerns like famine, health, nuclear buildup, global concerns about the environment. You see, these these concerns are so compelling to the world that it is driving the world away from the battlefield and more towards global unification. You see, I don't have to tell you, you, our world worries about the environment, don't they? 
They worry that we are going to destroy the planet. And listen, that common worry is is pulling the nations more and more together to the point that they're tearing down national barriers, border barriers, trade barriers. All of that's got to go. Why? Because they think we've got to unite together so that we can tackle these these compelling problems. You see, you've got to understand, for, for the rest of the world, this earth is the only deal they got. This is it. And so they believe we have to save the planet. For the evolutionists, the evolutionists would tell you, God is not your creator. Your heavenly, the heavenly Father is not your creator. Mother Earth is your creator. And we've got to save Mother Earth. And so all of these problems, these issues, compelling as they are, are pulling the world more and more together. And listen, listen, it's setting the stage. It's setting the stage for a global leader to offer global peace. And again, this this war-weary planet is going to love him and they're going to embrace him. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. More and more our world is is pulling away from nationalism, away from national pride, and more towards globalism. The world is pulling away, nation by nation, more and more away from what we would call capitalism, more towards a, a, a centralized government. Because the world is convinced that the way to bring peace to the world is through government. The way to solve these problems is through government. There are people in government who are smarter and brighter. And if we can just let them handle it, they will will bring the world to peace. And eventually it's going to be setting the sage for a a one world government. That's what the world wants, a one world government. Government, and here's what we need to know. It's setting the stage for, write this down to see. Antichrist will leverage this wish for global peace to gain global control. Because the Bible says he's going to deliver peace. He's going to deliver peace to the world. He will be the ultimate politician. He will shepherd the world towards peace. Because, listen, because he will be able to do what no politician has ever been able to pull off. You say, what is that? Write this down as one and two. He will bring peace to the Middle East. He'll bring peace to the Middle East. Folks, I want you to mark me. There will never be global peace until somebody figures out how to solve that problem in the Middle East, and namely the problem between Israel and her neighbors. There will never be peace on this earth until somebody figures out how to do that, how to solve that, and this guy is going to do it. How's he going to do it? He's going to convince, this is what the Bible says, he's going to convince Israel to give up land for peace. He'll say to Israel, I'm your Messiah. I'm your savior, I'm your protector, and I'm going to protect you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to give up land for peace. 
So he's going to convince them basically, this is Israel, to give up the Golan Heights to the north, the West Bank to the east, and the Gaza Strip to the south. And he's going to say, if you will give up these borders, we will have peace in the Middle East. And he'll say to Israel, Israel's always lived under this pressure. By the way, God says, that's my land and those are my people. You may not like that. That's what God says. Those are my people and that's my land. But this guy is going to say, look, Israel, peace is in your hands. You can bring world peace. Just give up these borders. Now, Israel has never done that because she knows that would be suicide. Because there are nations around her that are sworn to her death. In fact, in fact, if Israel were to give up just the West Bank, forget the Golan Heights, forget the Gaza Strip. If they were to give up just the West Bank, it would put Israel at an impossible to defend situation because it would put her enemies 13 miles from Tel Aviv. You cannot defend that. It would be like our enemies being in Coconut Grove or wherever you are as a campus. You couldn't defend it. But he will say to them, I'm your Messiah you've been looking for. I'm your Savior. I'm your protector. Together we can bring world peace. Give up these borders. And Israel will believe that he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior. And they will surrender those borders And guess what? There will be world peace. Everybody will go, what a guy. Wow. We have world peace. It's finally happened. But here's what you need to know. Write this down as number two. The fake Christ will bring a fake peace. In other words, the world will have a fake peace from a fake Christ based on a fake treaty, and it will be the ultimate head fake, and the whole world will be faked out because, yes, he will deliver global peace for three and a half years. And then he will turn on Israel, and he will take peace from the earth. You get the idea in verse 3. Here's what it says. When the Lamb opened the second seal... I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. Wow. What a revelation of what Satan always does. Satan always promises peace and then always delivers conflict and turmoil every time. And he's not only going to do that on a global scale in the future, he does it on a personal scale with people today. And who knows, maybe this is where you are. Because here's what Satan says. The world will be better off without God. And then he says this, your world will be better off without God. God's not your helper, God's your problem. We sang that song, I need you. When the wolves come around, when my feet hit the ground, Lord, I need you. Satan says, you don't need him. But folks, here's the truth. Write this down as number three. I'm almost through. Your world without God is a world of emptiness. Your world without God is a world with emptiness. And here's why. God created you with a soul. And without God, your soul is empty. Your soul is is that private inner 
part of you. And God made it in such a way that only he could fill that place and only he can satisfy that place within you. And what does God want to fill your, your soul with? He wants to fill your soul with his presence, with his love, with his joy, with his peace, with his compassion, with his gentleness, with his kindness, with his understanding. And listen, there's something in all of us that longs for God to fill that place. You might be here today and you might say, eh, you know, I, I could really care less about God. Listen, let me tell you something. It's in us. And by that, I mean God has hardwired it into every one of our souls to long for him to fill that void. And let me tell you when you sense the emptiness, emptiness inside the most. You sense it the most when the party is over, when the music is off, when everybody goes home and it's just you alone with you lying there in the bed with your soul. That's when your soul begins to cry out, that didn't make me happy, that did not satisfy me. Your soul begins to cry out, I need God. And so often we go, shh, quiet down soul. Because you see, Satan will always come back and say, you don't need God. In fact, Satan would say, God's toxic to your soul. You, you, this is what Satan would say, you let God inside you and he'll ruin everything. You let God inside your soul and he will destroy all of your fun because God's a killjoy. Satan's been selling that lie since the Garden of Eden and people swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And then he comes back with the ultimate head fake. He'll say, look, fill your soul with, with other good things. You can fill your soul with, the, with your family. You can fill your soul with doing good things. You can fill your soul with your career. You can still fill your soul with your, your job. You can fill your soul with a hobby. And see, see, all of those are good things, right? But they become bad things when Satan convinces you that they'll fill that emptiness in your soul. And people jam everything into their soul they possibly can, trying to find meaning, trying to find happiness, trying to find peace, and it never, ever works. Why? Because you were made for God. You were made to have a relationship with him. And you'll never be, you'll never be happy without him. By the way, one thing before I close, one of the things that, that I love so much about the direction that our world is moving in. I don't know how you feel about all these things, it really doesn't matter, but our world is moving into, into unification towards global peace, towards dropping borders, towards globalism, not nationalism. Listen, regardless of how you feel about those things, here's what you need to know. This is all setting the stage. It is God setting the stage, not just for the fake Prince of Peace to come, but it's setting the, the, the stage for the true Prince of Peace to come back to this earth and to restore peace and order on an everlasting scale and to be rid of Satan, death, sorrow, pain, and suffering once for all. You see, this is, this is the pathway to that future that God has set for us. 
And folks, here's the point. This is where, what I want you to see as we go through this series. What a faith builder. I mean, every time we see these things already happening just like God said they would happen, that, that reinforces your intellectual belief. Because, because God does what nobody else can do. God writes history before history happens. God foretells the future before future, the future comes, and he does it with 100% accuracy. And you know what that does? That increases your intellectual belief in God. You see, more and more people are walking away from, from the faith because they say, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. But you see, here's what I love about about the Christian faith. It is a faith built on evidence. It is a faith built on observable proof. All other religions in the world, all other faiths are built on blind faith. This is one built on evidence. You see, you cannot believe anything blindly. You just cannot do it, nor does God call you to. Over and over, God says, let me show you the evidence. And here's just one of them. As we look at these things happening, and we're going to walk through this, and what I want you to do is not go, oh, that's, that's scary. I want you to go, yep, yep, that's exactly what God said was going to happen. That's exactly what God said was going to happen. And as that happens, your intellectual belief gets stronger and stronger and stronger. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting. You gotta believe it. You gotta believe it in intellectually, not just emotionally. You gotta believe it intellectually. And this is God's way of reinforcing that intellectual belief. Now, maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, Rick, I, I believe, I believe all of this intellectually, but how do I receive it? I've got it in my head, but how do I receive it in my heart? How do I receive everlasting life? Well, here's what I love. God has uncluttered this. The Bible makes it simple, not simplistic, but simple. You want to receive eternal life? Here's what Scripture says. Romans 10 says this, everyone, who does that mean? It means everyone, it means you. No matter how bad you may think you are, it means you. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will receive everlasting life. So how do we receive eternal life? It's not by becoming religious. In fact, religion will drive you away from God. Religion will turn you off to God every time. It's not religion. God says all you have to do is call on him. You see, it's always personal with God, never religious. It's relational. He says, if you'll call on him, he'll give you everlasting life. Listen, if you believe this to be true, why don't you receive it today? Why don't you call on him? In fact, let's bow our heads and close our eyes at, at every campus. If you want to receive this into your, into your soul today, and allow God to fill that emptiness and at the same time give you eternal life. Why don't you call on him? 
You might say, well, Rick, I'm not sure what to say. Listen, I get that. So let me, let me help you. Let me lead you in a prayer. And you pray this prayer, not to me. You pray it to your heavenly Father. You pray it quietly in your heart because he's listening with all of his heart. Mind you, this is not a scripted prayer. This is not a poem. So you pray this with all of your heart. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, I believe you are the great lover of my soul. My world is not better without you. It is far better with you. And so right now, Lord, I open the door to my heart. I open the door to my soul. It has been empty long enough. And I invite you to come inside, to fill the void. Lord, I ask you to forgive all of my sins. Forgive my past sins. Forgive my present sins. Lord, even forgive the the sins that I haven't even committed yet. Wash them all away with the blood of Christ. And I ask you to give me everlasting life. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for giving me eternal life today. May I from this day forward spend the rest of my life following you, obeying you, serving you, loving you, and being loved by you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemmy.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.